on today's episode, what the hell? This doesn't need any introduction. You guessed it, or you just read the title of the episode. We're tackling I've Had the Time of My Life by Bill Metley and Jennifer Warnes from the 1987 film Dirty Dancing. Let's drop that beat. Welcome to The Song Will Go On, the podcast inspired by the songs, inspired by the motion pictures. I'm your host, Paolo Grassini. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have the time of my life potting with these two next to me. Joining me, as always, our co-host. Hey, she carried a watermelon, so she's got the right to be here. It's Sofia Matano. <laughs> What's up, Sophie? This is a big one. I'm excited. Well, one of the reasons I'm really excited about this pod is not just the episode, but it's our first ever guest on the pod. She's back. Consulting producer. Nobody puts JP in our corners. JP Lee, what's up? Hello. I love that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to be back. I'm so excited to do this song. We're so glad to have you back. This is going to be... I was so excited when you picked this one. This oh is God. amazing. How could we not have season two with JP on it? I mean, not just this episode. We'll have you on multiple episodes. And... We'll give you something better than Adam's Family Groove, you know? <laughs> no disrespect to Mr. Yeah. Hammer's work, but I'm particularly excited about this one. We have a lot to talk about. I mean, spoiler, this is sort of a classic. But before we dive into it, uh, let's just do some housekeeping. Housekeeping on top of the top. Yeah, uh, we just wanted to take a... <laughs> Yeah, we just wanted to take a second to thank our supporters on Patreon. Wait, 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 Sophie. They're not our supporters. Oh, Don't excuse them. me. Family. They excuse are me. the patrons of the, the Patreon. That's new since it was last year. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> Everything they give goes directly back into making more episodes of the podcast and to making our cool Patreon-exclusive perks. So they get access to special needle drop episodes, our curated monthly playlists, and the chance to submit a question to our Answerable Questions segment. And if any of that sounds cool to you or you just want to support the podcast, please check out patreon.com slash the song will go on. JP, coming back to you. You know, as is tradition, we start by asking our guests, like, what was it about this movie and mm. this, like, song? You know, this, like, unknown indie movie and song obscure pick. Oh, yeah. No, I actually uh, had to hear it for the first time yeah. a couple yeah. days ago. <laughs> Why did you pick this cult movie and song to discuss today? So first of all, I'm so excited for this. I feel like we could talk about this for like eight hours. So Truly. I'm sorry for having to, you're going to have to cut this down. At yeah. some point. Um, I would say that the main reason is probably because of the relationship I have to this movie with regard to like me and my mom watching it growing up. Like mm. she introduced me to the movie. She had the soundtrack that like it was one of the only CDs I would like pop in and listen on repeat. So it was like one of those soundtracks that I probably like when one song would end would know when the next song would begin, like exactly what was coming. Mm. Does it happen um, when you just listen to the song out of the soundtrack? Like, let's say you're listening to like the baby one and then you're just like your brain just cues up the next song. Oh, like there's there's a moment I forget exactly now in my head. Like when I was younger, I had a much better like memory of it. But there's a point where I go, it's overload. And I know <laughs> Right in, and I'm like, yes. And when you're like nine, you're like, that's the coolest thing ever. Um, but yeah, I just like my mom was a big Patrick Swayze fan. And like I even called her when I found out like we were doing this pod finally. And I was like, OK, for journalistic integrity, like tell me what it was like to go to the movie and see this for the first time. And she was like, it was just great to sort of hear her like thoughts on like she went on Friday night. 
and she dragged my dad. They had just gotten married. They went on Saturday night, and then they went again <gasps> on Sunday night. So, like, she has such a, like, relationship with this movie. Okay, that is super interesting, and you you will soon find out why. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> your, dad, your dad was like, why are we going back to see this movie for <laughs> yeah. the third time? Is it the dancing? Your mom's like, yeah, yes, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. It's the dancing. It's yeah. the dancing. Yeah. That's what and, I like about this And it's funny, film. is he loved it, too, but it was, like, one of those things where you could tell that, like, my mom doesn't go to the movies that often, so if she's going three times in a row, my dad's like, I guess I'll begrudgingly go along like they had yeah it was just so, so sweet it, it's funny it sounds like patrick swayze was your mom's version of my mom's sting oh mm, i would basically. i would assume yes absolutely <laughs> that's a reference to the sabrina episode if if you listen to that is just yeah Good my mom back. was absolutely. a fan of sting it took me to be an idol why yeah, <laughs> to figure yeah out why. Maybe, maybe it wasn't just the music yeah, yeah perhaps not yeah <laughs> all right let's get to it before we talk about the song you know what we gotta do it's creator. Yeah, it's the movie. Alive. It's alive. It's alive. Hell yeah, we got to <laughs> talk about Dirty Dancing, the movie. And in order to do so, we need our instructor, Sophie. <laughs> lead us, dance lead instructor. us to it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dirty Dancing is a 1987 romantic drama dance film written by Eleanor Bergstein and directed by Emile Ardolino. The film stars Jennifer Grey as 17-year-old Francis Baby Houseman and Patrick Swayze as sexy dance instructor Johnny Castle. <laughs> By the way, spoiler, Hall of Fame for a great character named Johnny, Johnny Castle. Castle. Oh, yeah, absolutely. pretty like, nice. Shit, I would take a punch from that guy and be like, I just got punched with you just, Johnny yeah, Castle. Yeah. You take a punch and then shake his hand. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. I would be that, <laughs> I would be his, uh, <laughs> that guy in the film, his right-hand friend who just follows him around. Follows him around. Oh, yeah, that That's guy. me. Because yeah, yeah. like, yeah. of course I, I, I follow Johnny Castle everywhere he goes. Uh. <laughs> The film follows Baby on her family vacation in the Catskills in the summer of 1963, where Johnny teaches dance at her resort. When Johnny's partner drops out of their crucial dance performance, Baby steps in despite Johnny's hesitation. What begins as an adversarial relationship develops into romance, and when Baby's father forbids her from seeing Johnny, she has to make a choice. Family or love? Bergstein based her screenplay around her own childhood vacations. Her credits include It's My Turn, the 1980 Michael Douglas film, and Let It Be Me, a 1995 dance film starring Campbell Scott and Jennifer Beals. I have to say, I'm Googling her credits mm -hmm. as you like are reading this, because mm -hmm. I'm like, how can you write this movie and then I don't know who you are? I, before this, I'm, I, I have no yeah, clue. True. And I was like, oh, she really didn't do a lot yeah this is definitely the standout yeah and not just a stand it's not like there's like a shit ton of work that i'm not familiar it's just like <laughs> i'm looking wikipedia like six things oh it's just like limited work as well like, yeah. yeah like yeah. i don't know like it, it to me i always like am fascinated when i see a, a a filmography like this because it's like you clearly have really good talent so like how did you like it didn't do other stuff. I don't know. You know, there. I don't know. It feels like more to the story there. It yeah. kind of adds to like the magic of the movie, right? Like you're like, she really like kind of like struck lightning with this mm -hmm. one thing, yeah, that's which the is thing. really cool. That's the thing. Like, did you like just struck lightning and this mm -hmm. is like a lightning in a bottle or did you just hate Hollywood and be like, fuck that. I'm not going <laughs> to be a part to of both. this world. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll, let's talk about her most known work, Dirty Dancing. <laughs> she originally developed the project at MGM, but when management changes rendered the project immobile, 
Bergstein sought other avenues. She and the movie's producer, Linda Gottlieb, attached Emil Ardolino to direct, who had just won the 1983 Academy Award for Best Documentary feature for He Makes Me Feel Like Dancing, uh, which is, <laughs> I think, a, a movie about children dancing. <laughs> I was like, there has to be the dancing. Otherwise, I'm like, there's a documentarian yes. doing the film. Okay. Yes. Right. So he was definitely hired for his dance experience, mm-hmm. not as much his directorial experience. But... He did go on to direct uh, Sister Act in 1992. A great film. Oh, that's yes. great. I recently yeah, watched it. I'm sorry, but like, I'm a Sister Act defender. Even oh, no. Sister Act 2. I know. People say, some people like Sister Act 2 more. Sorry. I can see that. I can see that. But they're both like. Solid. Yeah, oh, they're yes, solid. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So the, the trio, Gottlieb, Bergstein, and Artelino, brought the project to Vestron Pictures. There's probably a reason why you do not know who they are, but more on them later. Uh, After Gottlieb agreed to cut the original proposed budget in half, Dirty Dancing went into pre-production. Kenny Ortega was hired as the choreographer. Uh, He had been mentored by the man Gene Kelly himself when they worked together on Xanadu. Oh, wow. And Ortega, you probably know him from the many movies he's directed, such as Newsies, Hocus Pocus, and High School Musical, among others. What range. He didn't do (laughs) Hocus Pocus 2, right? He did not. It was Ann Fletcher, actually, which is very interesting. So it was missing that Ortega magic, if you will. Yeah, because she's another dance person. She did step up. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this dance rabbit Very hole that we're going down. Okay, and as, anyway, if, anyway, as, anyway. as if Hocus Pocus <laughs> is the most dance <laughs> no, movies that there are. But, but I do wonder if, if I don't they, know. Like, I mean, there's clearly a connection here. Did he come up with the sidestep thing that they did? Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Like, <laughs> finally, my yeah. moment to shine. Yeah, exactly. By the way, am I the only one who thinks like Kenny Ortega is such a great like wrestling name? <laughs> Yeah, I can hear. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't know where that sentence was going. Yeah. I'm like, no, that makes sense. Okay, okay, focus. No. <laughs> There's no guarantees. Yeah. Artelino pressed that it was important to hire actors who could also dance so they wouldn't have to use the stand-in method for the dance scenes, which had been used in the popular 1983 film Flashdance. Ooh, throwing dirt. Uh-huh. Okay. Like. So- actually, sorry for another sidebar, but we've talked so much <laughs> about Flashdance on the podcast without actually covering a song from that movie. Hmm. I feel like it just keeps hmm. coming up, so... We Maybe? might be overdue. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that gonna be your arc through this season? The Ooh. dance, the dance uh, trilogy, oh, or something? Maybe. I don't know. I like that actually because yeah. the Goofy movie kind of almost fits in that too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, twenty-six-year-old Jennifer Grey was chosen as baby. Some of her credits before Dirty Dancing include The Cotton Club, Red Dawn, and iconically, she played Ferris Bueller's sister in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Red Dawn was with Patrick Swayze. Yes. <laughs> Spoiler Sorry. alert. Hello. Sophie, Sophie yeah. just gave me like, like, why are you? Like all my research is now coming out of your mouth. <laughs> yeah. It was like ventriloquism. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Grey was not a professional dancer, but she was the daughter of theater actor Joel Grey. That's right, yeah. Nepo baby. <laughs> uh, but, but she could hold her own. She mm-hmm. could, yeah, she could hold her own dancing. Patrick Swayze was 34 at the time and obviously an experienced dancer from training at the Joffrey Ballet School. His mother also owned a dance studio and and taught her own students. So he's been around dancing his whole life. But Mm -hmm. interestingly, his resume read no dancing. Wait, it specifically specifically said no dancing dancing because he had had a knee injury. Uh, But he did ultimately agree to the project after he read the script and Mm -hmm. really fell in love with the character of of Johnny. The slight hiccup, 
which Paolo <laughs> alluded to, was that he and Gray had worked together on Red Dawn and had not gotten along. In fact, Jennifer Gray actually asked the producers to not cast Swayze because she was just like, I don't want to deal with that guy. Oh, that is fascinating. But agreed to a initial screen test of them dancing. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty obvious that their chemistry was palpable. It was just palpable. Have you, have you is... seen the screen test on YouTube? I have, and it is so hot. I, okay, yeah, okay, I, Sophie. I literally, right. I'm like jotting down yeah. research for yeah. later. We know where Sophie stands yeah. on the chemistry. Yeah. That's uh, interesting, though. That, that slight antagonism probably played in its favor, because there's well, that, like, Especially for dynamic. the initial parts of the movie Absolutely. where they are no, adversaries. I did, I did read uh, an interview with Patrick Swayze, which I'll drop with the magic of editing, where he was basically <laughs> saying that it worked for the film because he was also kind of like, during the production of it, sort of like mad at her, or like annoyed that like he had to teach her how to dance to oh, doing yeah, the, it. Yes, yeah. And, and, I think I remember hearing something about that, yeah. And the production, you know, the director and the production, they picked up on those things and started incorporating those things like their training montages, just oh. kind of like their real, like... So those moments where Johnny's like, kind of like, oh, come on, get the move. Like, it's not that, like, it, that's but probably it was, it was Patrick Swayze. Yeah, that's a, yeah, exactly. That's oh, how we said it. It was, it was like that also behind the camera. So kind of like what you see on screen yeah. is also kind of like the process of them making this film. Great which, intuition on them yeah. to, to pick up on that stuff. So just to complete the, the, the story of the movie, filming ended on budget at 4.5 million and on time. However, no corporate sponsors wanted to be associated with the film because of the abortion subplot. So Vestron was left to market the film themselves. Oh, I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I thought it was going to be because of the title, Very Dancing. That was part of it, but a lot of people objected to the title, but it was mostly, they said, yeah. oh, Swayze that, hated that it. plot. Became, the title yeah. or the the, the title he hated it oh really yeah i saw him and i i mean it, i i can see why they went with it i even heard uh there's a great episode of the movies that made us on netflix mm -hmm. about dirty dancing and the producer tells the story of how they basically led with the title and then developed the the dancing plot around that and then also with bergstein's personal experience i mean it's oh, a great title i'm sorry oh, yeah. it's a great it's like, it's, it not only like is it like hmm tell me more it's intriguing a little yeah a little but also like, like from a, like a aesthetic perspective like the 2d's like dirty dancing like Absolutely. DD, like you know ah, like, it's, yeah you can't it's, do, it's like, immediately like iconic for some <laughs> reason it's like on it's, it's like the movie it's kind of hard to really put a finger on why it works so well but it does yeah well, we clearly liked it, but the <laughs> film received mixed reviews. Gene Sistel gave it a marginal thumbs up for Grey's acting, while Roger Ebert gave it a thumbs down for its, quote, idiot plot, <gasps> calling it a tired and predictable love story. Roger. <laughs> I think the audiences proved him wrong on that because <laughs> word of mouth actually drew in the audiences. There wasn't a big marketing campaign around this movie. Mm -hmm. And it was adult audiences too, not teens like the producers had originally expected. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the viewers, like your mom, JP, <laughs> returned to the theater to watch it for a second time, which they weren't expecting. So it was just something about that Patrick Swayze yep. and that Jennifer Grey. It kind of reminds me of the Titanic effect, where if you get yes. a really palpable love story, people will revisit and want to relive it over and over again. 100%. 
Within 10 days of its American release, it was number one and broke the $10 million mark. It earned over $170 million worldwide, making it one of 1987's highest grossing films. That's incredible. The film was nominated for many awards, including the Golden Globe for Best Actor and Actress for Swayze and Gray. But the film mostly took home awards in the song categories. I've had the time of my life, won an Academy Award, a Golden Globe, and a Grammy. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's talk movie, which we've already kind of started doing. But anyway, <laughs> officially, let's talk movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Good, good job, so yeah, thank you for great. rolling. I, I kind of <laughs> sometimes like to troll you on this. Yes. Like, how can I interrupt Sophie and get her bad? <laughs> no, I can roll with all the punches. Yeah, the movie just makes me so excited. I'm like, how do I, I don't want to interject. I don't want to be rude, but this is so I know, exciting. No, please interject away. <laughs> so, JP. What's up? Tell us more about this. By the way, fantastic. This is why you're one of the top tier guests. It's like the oh, research. No, calling your mom. <laughs> calling your mom is like, can you tell me about yeah. that? Like yes. extravagant, like hot weekend you had, like where you just had to go watch it was Swayze three times in a row. Truly. Yeah, it's one of those things where like I knew that I had to get her opinion on this. Like the reason why I love the movie is because of you just like by osmosis see how much she loved it and you're like, mm. like, I gotta give it a try. Like what you know, what's what's all the hullabaloo about? And I feel like it's <sighs> For me growing up, like seeing it was, I, I, I actually was thinking about this earlier today. I was like, I think it was one of the first movies I'd seen that had music from multiple decades yes. in, in a period piece. Mm. But as a kid, I didn't understand that conceptually. So I just saw a movie that like all of the music was quote unquote old in my head. So it was like, I was just getting an environment of like really cool music that I had never really been exposed to. So all of the mixture of 60s music, 80s music, the songs that felt like they were a combination of the two, like it was just such a fun way for me to be introduced. And I think that that's kind of part of the reason why I love music as much as I do is movies like this that like mm. opened those doors and kind of like helped me kind of experience genres that I would probably maybe get to later. But like at 10 or 11, I was like diving deeply into, which is really cool. So I have to thank my mom for like some of my evolved sense of music <laughs> taste. Um, but yeah, that's like one of the things I remember most about the movie is like, just being in love with the music itself, the entire soundtrack, but the culmination of that last song is just like, I, like the, the goosebumps throughout the entire thing, I yeah. think is the is the kind of the, the takeaway I had. But yeah, I mean, we can zig and zag into whatever, but that's like my main thing about the movie that I love the most. I think a lot of girls our age were introduced to this movie through their mom. I think so too, yeah. yeah. Okay, so is this like every girl's mom had a crush on Patrick Swayze? Probably, thing? yes, yeah. probably. And, and my mom, I don't know about your mom, maybe your mom had a similar thing, but my mom was the a middle child of five and like the energy that baby had where she was mm. sort of like the calm like daughter that had like, like the expectations were on her and, and kind of like, the, like, oh, you're baby. Like you're this sort of like there was this not the special child, but sort of this sense of like there's a little bit more pressure on baby than maybe her sister that I think my mom kind of gravitated to. And then you add Patrick Swayze to the yeah, mix yeah. and you're like, come on. <laughs> the parents here do not give a shit about the sister. Maybe they're just like, she's dumb. She's like lucky. Well, you're like married I think so. that they were like, she's kind of dumb, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I know. And she's like, when, go when marry baby, that asshole. When baby falls from grace, then she becomes the favorite. And that's like such an interesting sister dynamic yeah, that plays yeah. out in this movie. It's sort of a subplot in there. It's super interesting. Yeah, yeah, there's layers to this movie like that. that are, you don't catch as a kid. And then as you get older, you're like, wow, they're yeah. really digging into some sub, sub stories here my mom 
the 80s for her is sort of like a cultural blind spot because she was like one of those women entering corporate America in her pantsuit and like taking it by storm and like did not have a lot of time to take herself to the theater and enjoy herself. So she caught it on like HBO or something Mm -hmm. later, watched it with my dad and my dad loves a musical. So he was probably like crying the whole time and like loving it. And then she showed it to me probably when I was at the end of middle school or the beginning of high school which is like it's it's a little racy not gonna lie mom like i don't know <laughs> i was watching it way younger that choice. well yeah there are a lot of themes that i didn't pick up on yes originally i think i missed the entire abortion thing no idea yeah. i just i'm like the blonde is sad in the She's corner i don't know what's going for on some reason in the right corner of the kitchen yeah, like, yeah. What truly, like, as a kid i just blocked the entire sequence space, you know like <laughs> well actually you know what my mom did show me another great 80s movie which is about Women in corporate America. It was big, big business. Oh, I've <laughs> never seen that. Oh my god, you need to watch it. It's Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. You had me like, at Bette. <laughs> yep. No. No. Watch it. You'll love Amazing. it. But anyway, so she she showed me this movie later on, and this was also my mom likes music, but she's not like a big. She doesn't listen to it constantly. Okay. So if yeah. she has a CD of something when I was growing up, like it's a big it deal. cut through. Yeah. So. I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but here was her list of CDs in the car. <laughs> it was Dirty Dancing, the soundtrack. So I like Iconic. you know each song <laughs> yes. in order. It was also James Taylor Greatest Hits. Fantastic. Good, good choice. Good so mom. So two for two. And then oh, Meatloaf Bad Out of Hell. Okay, listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, musically very complex but, fun yeah. stuff going on in that album. There's multitudes of layers. <laughs> like, yeah. Your mom's got range. Yes, she does. <laughs> Back in the 90s, that was a true testament of like, this is music that I actually listened to if the CD was in the car. In the oh, car, absolutely. never left the car. If it was oh, at yeah. home, yeah. it's like, I don't, I don't, li- yeah, uh-huh. I don't listen yeah. to it. But in the car, those yes. are the ones I'm spinning oh. daily. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And I will say, I definitely loved this movie as a teenager and watched it multiple times. Mm. And, you know, I, but I think now as an adult, it means more to me. And I related to Baby more now than as a teenager, which I think, even though she's a teenage character, Mm -hmm. and I think that this maybe, maybe I am picking up on what the audiences picked up on at the time. Like, teenagers didn't really go to see this movie. Adults saw this movie. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. What what do you think is changing? I mean, I'm taking over the podcast by asking you a question. But like, I'm so so curious, like, what do you think is, like, how did you... What have you picked up on in like recent years that maybe you like didn't notice or what, what feels new to you? It's because it's a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Like I, one of the things I was going to bring up is I know that classically people call this a romance movie or a dance movie, mm-hmm. but I really think it's a coming of age movie, not just for baby, but also for Johnny as well. Like they both learn a yeah. lot about the world and a lot about themselves through their that. relationship. It just hit so much harder as an adult picking up on those themes. I love that. Yeah, yeah. that's very cool. Mm-hmm. You want me to throw a glass of cold water on this thing? No, no, don't. But now I'm super yeah, curious. All right, go ahead. What's well, your relationship with this movie, Paolo? You guys, you guys, you guys know about it. I am like, I love all things eighties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start a conversation with me five minutes, you're gonna deduct that quickly. Yeah, we'll probably be in, in like Hill Valley by the end of the ninety yeah. seconds. <laughs> this was such a blind spot for me. That's I don't know why. It's one of these movies that, and I am sure everyone has them. You know they're famous. You know they're iconic scenes. You see them all the way around. And then because you see them so much and you know about them so much, you're like, well, I've I, I seen this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And also especially like in the 
era we grow up, the HBO kind of like flickering to the channels. Like you may see part of a movie and part not. And just sort of like it's hard if you like see a part of a movie or not to to categorize like, did I watch this movie? Did I not? Like, it just kind of blends yeah. into the yeah ether of culture and you're like ah, i don't know and also with a movie that's so famous you're like oh i must have seen it yeah but yeah. then you like yeah. don't really have a memory of seeing it and you don't know if it's the parodies or the the homages or the reference yeah and exactly we're, we're the last generation that had that problem where yeah. like if it was on tv we may have missed the first 15 minutes so did and then we you really never see get a chance yeah, to exactly. see it again yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so to me i was always like meh you know like i'm a little bit like like Roger Ebert, like, meh. Yeah. You know, the black, yeah. Like, eh. You know, I know the scene, all of that. But it was like, as you know, you, you're all there. We did a movie night. We, we do, do movie night. nights. Yes. Uh, we remedied the situation. And people yes. take turns. And you actually, JP, you picked this just because I had expressed, I think, that I was like, yeah, they're was... dancing, meh. And you yeah. were like, no, 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 no. I took that as a personal affront. I need to fix this. No, I played it. Uh huh. And after the movie, I was like, Meh. And you all were like, everyone in the room was like, whatever, this guy has something like this. He's not like dancing or something. I don't know. But to my to my defense, there was another person there that hadn't seen it either. And they're like, I loved it. I'm like, so, okay, okay. What are the, what are the two aimed at? Uh-huh. I was like, nah. <laughs> I watched it for prep for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it clicked. Oh, so a revisit. Oh, man, it okay. clicked. Oh, right. man, it clicked. This it's isn't just cold like, water on. This is great. It's just like. I'm still processing this journey I've been with this movie because yeah. it's not often they do such a 180. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I I learned to grow films like multiple watching. But like we recently did that movie night. That wasn't more than six months ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to rewatch it again and to be such a like, I'm just, I went from meh to like a smile on my face. The mm-hmm. movie ended. <laughs> and I feel like this movie to me had, it's more powerful rewatching it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the plot kind of takes a backseat a little bit. And then you start really focusing on what I think is true currency of the film, which is their chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. And and but also like moments like like this. Let me play you something, mm-hmm. but that's at the beginning of the film. And it's oh, it's uh, so John good. Morris, by the way. Uh, John Morris, the same composer for Clue, Clue and all the Mel Brooks film. Oh, cool! That's him making the music for Dirty Dancing. It's, it barely has score, but that's him. Yeah, yeah. I gotta do um, a deeper dive into his stuff. Yeah, that's it's credited cool. as the John Morris Orchestra. But so he did that part, and on a rewatch, that moment hits completely different. Yeah. Like on the first one, you have no idea what this is. You don't know that there's gonna be this amazing needle drop at the end. This mm-hmm. moment, but then on rewatch, it feels like. And also doing the research with the author, she was saying like this was sort of like autobiography and a memory. Like the film just really feels like a memory. Yes. You know, like yes. that time you like you remember a great summer you had. Mm-hmm. And summer has become my least favorite <laughs> uh, period of the year. Like it's so hot in L.A. I'm over it. I, I'm not like a shorts guy. I, there's a lot of things. No, we don't. And we don't summer. have the joy of like summer vacation like we yeah. do as kids. Like but you don't that's get the it thing. Anymore. When you're a kid, summer feels like such a parenthesis on your life. Yeah. It's like a moment to refresh, mm-hmm. to have experience later, not connected to like your daily life. Oh, it yeah. really feels like I, I really do miss that. And I, and this film to me capture that it's a really, really good, good point yeah that moment just like absolutely just melted my heart and yeah. from on the get-go i was like in with this movie i love that because that's what that's what i think the movie resonates with so many different generations too mm-hmm. like like we as you know in our 20s or 30s as you get older you start to see the movie for what it is but when that movie came out can you imagine just like parents in their 40s 
who were her age in the 60s or like getting a chance to revisit that memory. Mm-hmm. And then you have people in their 20s who maybe just recently had that like, you know, that that passionate love for the first time and are like getting to relive that experience, but then also get a chance to empathize with what it was like for their parents to grow up in the 60s. And I don't know, I feel like it was just such a cool thing to see us, something from only what, 24 years in the past. So it wasn't that long ago, like 87 to 63. Mm-hmm. But that kind of plays into it where it's like a recent memory that people can tap into yeah. mm-hmm. and the music plays into it. And then even when we get into the song structure, I think that's also part Something of it Something well. I also, mm-hmm. you've you've talked a lot about the sort of like 60s, 80s, mm-hmm. back and forth between the soundtrack. You know, you go to a modern song, you go back to, uh, it's like- So generational. This movie's, but I also picked up on that part of the story, like, like Sophie said, to me, it's a coming of age story of mm-hmm. two characters, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, you got the romance, but if you really treat it as a romance, you get the Ebert, like, ah, like this is pretty simplistic. Like, they just meet yeah. each other. They're like, why are they attracted? Like, yeah. it's a coming of age story. Yeah, the yeah. chemistry is enough for that aspect of it. And then you just get into the coming of age part. Something I also picked up on is this conversation that's going back and forth between generations. Mm-hmm. And one scene that I just absolutely loved, almost at the end of the of the climatic uh, scene, when they're about to perform the hotel number, mm-hmm. something, whatever, mm-hmm. um, the owner of the hotel, who at this point, you're kind of, he, he's not like the main villain, but he's like part of like the villain group. Like this establishment. Yeah, yeah, yeah like this yeah, is, yeah. you know, he's sort of like, and he has a conversation with his band leader, mm-hmm. but then he says something to me that I feel like it's just really good writing where you do so much storytelling with so less. Mm-hmm. He's basically like, oh, the, you know, the, the young people, they're, they're just not interested in these things anymore. But he talks in about it in a way that it's sort of like, this was really special for me, like going to these hotels, having mm-hmm. these like summer things. Like, it's not about like, this is the right way to be young and and that dancing is dirty. Like, it felt like it. the movie with that scene to me, like, left the cliche part of it of, like, oh, I'm the bad guy. I'm just, like, opposed to new things. Yeah. Rather than, like, I have memories, too, you know? This is how I grew up. These are my summer things. Mm-hmm. And they're fading away. And I can be sad about that. I can be sad that, like, my type of idea of spending a summer with mm-hmm. my family so that's going away and like he said kids now want to go to europe like it's a different thing yeah. so to me that just also like added this extra element of just this conversations going on between generations and nostalgia and just feeling like and then on top of that then you have a song that's literally the title is like i've had the time of my life you know oh yes yeah. a, a song that is basically saying like i'm nostalgic for this moment it's, in my life it's yeah. transitional in like its concept like it literally feels like it's in past tense and present tense and also looking for yeah. like the song just has that way of like capturing a moment in time while also looking forward and backward and like I don't know, I, I'm excited to talk about that more. But I do agree, like, they they do, they don't make the 60s, like, inherently, like, I mean, they had those moments where, like, Wayne Knight does, like, corny jokes, and, like, they're really, like, leaning into a little bit to get some of the younger people in the 80s to realize, like, yeah, like, it's, it's a little corny at times, but, like, that's where you lean into, like, when those moments happen where you're, like, yeah, but for for our parents, I guess if you're someone of the 80s, you're, like, that that meant a lot to them to have that time with their family and to, like, spend those summers and do those things. So it was like a, a chance for, for you to sort of bridge the gap between those generations and kind of see that change can just be kind of a scary thing for people and uh, maybe embrace it, but also like recognize why it might be hard for some people, you know? And I think that that was kind of, I don't know, the movie did a lot of that heavy lifting just by way of, um, I don't know, exploring it without necessarily hitting you over the head with mm-hmm. it, you know? 
I love looking at who was considered for these roles. Oh, the what mm-hmm. ifs, yeah. The, because it's a total what if. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is there a worse version of this movie? Is there a better version of this movie? Like, I just love playing that imaginary game. Absolutely. So I did find out some options for Baby who were being considered. Mm. Winona Ryder, because it's a movie in the 80s and we always I have to... She was probably at the top of every pile. Look, exactly. unpopular opinion, maybe. I think she would have been fantastic. I don't think she... Can she dance? I think it's a very different well, movie. Patrick can can teach Weona. That's a thing. I don't know. I don't know if we have the romance. The 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 romance. Yeah. she has the angst of Baby, like the frustration, but like yes. the romantic part. But, I don't know. But the thing with Baby is that she's angsty, but also like knows she doesn't want to disappoint her parents. Yeah. So playing she's that a rule line, follower. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if like Winona's characters ever had that streak of them. It was always a little bit more like rebellious or yeah, rebel out the gate yes. instead of like learning not as nuanced to not really rebel but just like make her own decisions yes. is what baby yeah, absolutely. learns to do this is a parenthesis it's connected to something where i also thought one of the reasons i was not vibing with the films on the first couple of viewings i enjoy jennifer gray's performance i enjoy it every time she like laughs she has like such a natural quality to her i struggle with like reading her face oh interesting like huh. the emotions interesting Half of the time, I could mm-hmm. not tell what she was thinking. Like the character was, what the character was feeling. I, like I don't know, and I don't know if this is because I've seen Ferris Bueller like ninety times. Oh, and and it's <laughs> just like, like some of that. I was like, I was like, is she mad at Johnny, or does she want to have sex with Johnny? I think or the answer she, to like, that is yes. all of the above. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I think that's it. Well, that's the thing. I just like I don't know. She like a lot of she does a lot of eye acting. I guess I can't read her eyes. It's a lot of squinty eye acting, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it took me a couple of viewings to kind of, I guess, be like, oh yeah, I know that she's she mm-hmm. wants to well, get it on. Would you have preferred Sarah Jessica Parker? No, because no. she was no. also she's a dancer. Ultimately, got her dance movie. She did Girls Just Want to Have Fun, which is a total teeny bopper movie. I just don't which think is a Sarah lot of Jessica fun. Parker looks great next to Patrick Swayze. Well. It may not have always been Patrick Swayze. Oh, good segue. What are the other options? Uh, Val Kilmer. Oh, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can Val dance? I don't know. I, I, I could see it. I could see it. I feel like because he'd been, he would have become, he would have come right off of Top Gun. Yes. I would have been like, no, he's too smarmy. He's too. I also think he would look, I mean, not that Patrick Swayze looks young in mm-hmm. this movie, which we'll probably talk more about, mm-hmm. but Val Kilmer after playing that role, it would be hard to picture him. Yeah, I agree. To, I agree. To go back, you know? Totally. Benicio Del Toro. No. I don't <laughs> understand. I, my brain can't, like, even put his face in the he would have. He would have done some, like, really weird acting choices. You would have been like, no, they'd dude, be like, this isn't... They'd be like, Benicio, you need to learn how to dance. He'd be like, no. <laughs> this, this isn't, this isn't I, Coppola directing, man. This isn't I, the movie. Just chain smoking I, yeah, in a corner. To be fair, I'm not sure how serious, how serious they were about him. It seems like... One of the producers at Velstren just had a crush on him. So. I mean, if you if you want to imagine, <laughs> I guess you can kind of see. Have you seen the Benicio del Toro, Alicia Silverstone comet romantic comedy? I think it's called Excess Baggage. No, no, I have so much homework to do. Yeah. Right now. here was the real contender, other than Patrick Swayze, Billy Zane. Okay, so that was twenty years old at the time. Oh, he's a baby. Yeah. No. Yeah. That man has a face. Uh, someone who villain. doesn't who takes the place of a baby on a boat trying to escape for his life. Yeah, and the only thing no. I would have known him from, I guess, in the late eighties would have been like the third villain in Back to the Future. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. very 
unknown at the time. And uh, it really came down to SJP, Jennifer Grey, Patrick Swayze, and Billy Zane. And then they tested them all together in the various combinations. So there's videos online of them all dancing together and... Billy's Billy just, just couldn't just I'll, 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 I'll end this debate with this question. Just, would your mom have gone three weekend, three nights in a row to see Billy Zane? Knowing my mom as well as I do, I could venture to say absolutely not. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Billy, exactly. Billy, Zane's, Billy Zane's got his own charisma and his own charm, but it's a different energy, and I just... That's you know, Patrick Swayze something Swayze special. Swayze versus Zane, that's it. Yeah, that's how absolutely. you that. And, I mean, Patrick Swayze, like, he was absolutely the right choice for this role Mm -hmm. i just wish he was like five years younger Younger. because it's hard to see that character be talked down to by so many people and like kind of and taken advantage of by these female guests who are like soliciting him basically Mm -hmm. and for him to be a 34 year old man like it's just a little bit i think that it would hit harder if he was if, younger. Yeah, if they'd made the movie in like 82 yeah. or something. Right. It's funny, as a kid, I had no concept of ages, so anyone oh, yeah. over Everyone 18 was old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, in the movie, I think, so he's 34 in real life. Yeah, but in yeah the he's movie, supposed, he's to, be supposed like to be 25. But the, so the age difference, because Jennifer Grey is like 20, what, she was 26. 26 film made, playing. Yeah. So 26, she's playing okay. nine years younger. He's playing nine years younger. Yeah. So it kind of like the age difference between them is okay, but I think she can play younger more she effectively can, than yes. he could, so it felt further apart. Yes, you know? agreed. Let's just agreed. agree that we all shot our brain being like, ah, the 25 was dating a 17-year-old, you y- know? Yeah, like, she was like, we right all look the other way, but it's kind of like... Like, she just man. finished her senior year or something? She was about to... Yeah, yeah I think the like intention the when summer. they were writing the movie is to have them closer in age, but it was a casting decision that yeah. made this age gap yeah. more significant because... He they just, just knocked the, it out you of the park. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's one of those things it's like worth addressing that like the age difference is sort of like something to like be mindful of. But it like her character had to be that age for the story to be that like authentic coming of age story. Yeah. And Patrick Swayze being the most charismatic pick like mm-hmm. that that gray area is a space that it had to operate in. And, you know, for better or for worse, I mean, the movie itself in the chemistry space, you can't really like argue that that's mm-hmm. really effective. But it's worth arguing that like that that age part is is. You know, it's a little, I'm making a face that I can't quite put into words. It's a little, hmm. Yeah, I kind of like have to have a conversation with myself when I'm yeah. sitting down to watch it. And I'm just like, whatever. Yeah, just like, okay, I'm, like I'm making sure. a note, putting it aside, yeah. watching the movie. Yeah, right. absolutely. And there's a sequel in the works. I've seen it. I watched it in my Spanish yes. class. It is coming out apparently in 2024. Oh, wait, no, wait, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of Dirty Dancing Havana Nights. Oh, Which no. Which I've actually that seen. I've seen. I've actually I've seen. seen. Oh. <laughs> okay, so this settled. Okay, I've seen that. So, yes, I've seen of that course. One. Okay, yes, I should have mentioned Dirty Dancing Havana Nights starring Diego Luna. Yes. Um, and whom? What? Who was the blonde? Uh, I have no memory of Right? Of like, she, her. I don't think she became a thing, or maybe she did. And I was like, oh, that's her? That's like. Anne oh, Hathaway? A, it is definitely not Anne Hathaway. It is Ramola Garay. Nope, that does not ring a bell. She. Well, things worked out for Diego Luna. In 2020 mm-hmm. was in Amulet. That is a movie, question mark? Yes, question mark. Yes, yes, it is. It is a mystery thriller. Oh. It's a bit of a blind spot for me. It yep. is definitely Oh, she directed it. Good job, Ramola. She directed oh, it. Oh, crushing it. That's cool. Yeah, so That's she, cool. She is not in it. She directed it. She wears many hats. I yes, love that. Yes, she does. <laughs> the uh, the sequel is apparently has a 2024 release. Um, so I guess, okay, we are either doing this episode a year 
early or a year late because last year was the 35th anniversary and next year there's the the sequel so <laughs> we're it's coming like, in right in the middle yeah. we can never get this thing right at the <laughs> we, we do adam's family when no one's talking about it and then wednesday happens and we're yeah. like oh, okay all right you're just ahead of the game that's all yeah. well here's a little bit about the movie jonathan mm -hmm. levine is set to direct he co-wrote the script with mm -hmm. elizabeth chomko um levine directed 50 50 warm bodies and the night before and Chomko wrote and directed uh, her film, What They Had. So it feels like this is a little bit of a departure for Jonathan Levine. Like, this isn't mm -hmm. exactly in the vein. Like, I guess Warm Bodies is a romance, sort of, but... Yeah. Yeah. High concept um, kind of thing, yeah. And Jennifer Grey will be, be back. She's oh. reprising her role as Baby. Um, but then she also recently said that, I don't know, she was sort of like, it'll come when it's ready. So it might not be next year. Mm. She... Um, she said that they really wanted to get it right to honor Patrick and all of the fans, which I think is fair, but it doesn't exactly instill confidence if they're kind of backing off that date. So yeah, we'll see. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I'll be tentatively excited when the script yeah. is actually done. Yeah, I mean, total speculation, but it's probably going to be Baby brings her family on a vacation. I know, I know. To the lodge, and then, I mean, this is a little Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, but like then her daughter... I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just go back and watch the original. Yeah. <laughs> That's we it. We don't need it. All right. <laughs> let's take a quick break. Let's come back and let's let's do this thing. Right. Let's try to do our version of the lift and, <laughs> and tackle All tackle right, this. I'll, song. I'll stretch during our break. We're back at the song will go on. And in case you skip the movie discussion, yes, we're talking about Dirty Dancing's I've Had the Time of My Life, 1987. Absolute banger of a hit. Mm. Man, this is a classic. Sophie, is there such thing as a setup for a classic? We'll see, but like... I'll try my best. <laughs> <laughs> I've Had the Time of My Life is a 1987 song written by Frankie Previtt. Wait, 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 Sophie. I think this needs a little bit... You need a little bit more juice. I'm going to help you out with this. Okay. Oh. Oh. Oh, the baseline. Give okay. us a setup. Come on. I love this okay. so much. Come on. I've had the time of my life. I thought you were just singing it. I almost considered it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I've had the time of my life is a 1987 song written by Frankie Previtt, John DeNicola, and Donald Markowitz, and performed by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warrens for the film Dirty Dancing. Is this going to go on the whole time? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Previtt was the lead singer of his and Frankie and... Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The bass line almost broke yeah. <laughs> You're such a baby move. She's just laughing and can't do the choreography. Yeah, true. That was the energy just now. It's like, so, no, we can do this. So baby. Yeah. <laughs> Previtt was the lead singer of his band Frankie and the Knockouts, which had a 1981 hit with the song Sweetheart. However, never heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't uh, cut through for me. By 1986, he was left without a record deal, Aww. unfortunately. <laughs> Producer and head of Millennium Records, Jimmy Eaner, asked Previtt to write some music for an upcoming movie called 
Dirty Dancing. Ever heard of it? <laughs> um, Previtt originally turned down the offer as he was still producing that record contract and thought that the film would be pornographic based on the title. <laughs> not, not a bad idea. Yeah, not, not a bad uh, yeah. assumption. Assumption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ianer was adamant that this project would change Previtt's life, and ultimately, and he ultimately agreed. Uh, he, and then he wrote two songs for the movie. We got Hungry Eyes, which was performed by Eric Carmen, and then it went on to be a top 10 hit. Yeah, that is another jam. And then, of course, the song that we're here to talk about today. Mm. Anyway, Previtt wrote the lyrics and recruited his songwriting partner, John DeNicola, to write the music, who in turn recruited Donald Markowitz. Previtt had a vision for the song. Here's a quote from him. He said, let's start the song in halftime with the chorus up front and then double time the verses. The first thing I thought of was Donna Summer's Last Dance. (laughs) Yeah, I can see it. Which is such a a technique that fits so well to like a cinematic medium, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. You have that sort of build up. The build up, for sure. And it's like butter. And also, it's one of the points I was going to make about the fact that it's literally like the two generations of 60s versus 80s. Like, it's that slow kind of progression of time. And then all of a sudden things speed up and it's it's thematically perfect. It's amazing. And side note, this is not the first time that we've played Donna Summer on the pod. I love that little... We keep clipping her, and I don't think it's going to be the last time. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, So the lyrics came last, and Mm -hmm. going off of just a quick summary of the film, Previtt came up with the line, I've had the time of my life. He recorded a demo, sent it off. Meanwhile, the actors are already rehearsing. They are dancing to a Lionel Richie song that wasn't quite right. Could never found the song on research. No, I don't know what song it was. No one would give it it up. Like, what's the Lionel Richie song? It might have been an original one that they rejected and then just never saw the light of day. I'm not sure. Because it was wrong, they were almost about to do that dance to a click track, like just a metronome, and then put the music in later. That would have felt so different. Very weird, right? Um, But they got that demo just in the nick of time, and Ortega, Kenny Ortega, the choreographer, was just like, yeah, this is the one. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, so uh, from that demo, Previtt actually, um, he released that demo so we can hear what the actors danced to. This could be Uh, also, he was accompanied by Rochelle Capelli. Wait, so that's the demo they were they that they is filmed the demo. To? Okay, yeah. so there's okay, okay. Oh, mm-hmm. Remind me that when we talk about my seven seconds, I have something I have to talk Ooh, to. So okay, we'll come okay. back to it. Then came time to search for the vocalists. Bergstein wanted a '60s vocalist to sing it to tie into the time period of the film, even though it's a very '80s song. She mm-hmm. she still wanted the authenticity of a '60s voice. Feels thematic. Back to Donna Summer, it was originally intended for Donna Summer and Joe Esposito. The Bean! The Joe Bean, bean Esposito. Joe Bean Esposito. <laughs> if you want to hear us talk a lot about Joe Bean Esposito, we did a, a Karate Kid. Yeah. A lot of recurring characters. Yeah, yeah. And he wrote for Donna Summer, too, so they have a relationship. Oh, okay. But Summer, like everyone else, did not like the title <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> She's like, that's too dirty for me. It's a bridge too far for people. Wow. Yeah. So then Ianer approached Bill Medley, who is known for being half of the Righteous Brothers. Mm. 
actually don't know which of the Righteous Brothers sang that part. But not, it, not Bill Medley. It doesn't sound like it was Bill Medley. It, was, it, it wasn't Bill Medley. No, but anyway, that's Unchained Melody, classic song of the 60s. Mm-hmm. Medley originally turned down I've Had the Time of My Life because his daughter's birth was fast approaching, and uh, he had promised his wife he would be there, which I think is just the... Bare minimum. Bare minimum that you can do. <laughs> yeah. No, but good for him for prioritizing it. Um, he was also worried about having another movie song that was going to be a flop because mm. he had just performed with Gladys Knight, the song Loving on Borrowed Time from the movie Cobra. Sure. And that had underperformed. Mm. We're playing a dangerous game. Burning a And he was skeptical of the title Dirty Dancing again. <laughs> Sensing a theme. Yeah. approached Jennifer Warnes, and she was best known for her Grammy-winning duet with Joe Cocker, Up Where We Belong, from the 1982 movie An Officer and a Gentleman. Banger. The lift is up where we belong Where the Oh, that raspy voice. Yeah, oh, that's good. She also was skeptical about the project, <laughs> but she was drawn in by Previtt's demo, and she agreed mm. to do the song on the condition that she could sing it with Medley, oh, whom cool. she admired. After Medley's daughter was born and she's, you know, welcome to the world, he's like, all right, I guess I'm available. So they did the duet. <laughs> done my job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> According to Previtt, Swayze was very appreciative of the song, and actually, he said that Previtt's demo was his favorite version. When the two met, Swayze emphasized how crucial the song was and how filming to that demo injected new energy into the production. Mm. And the appreciation is mutual. Previtt now sells his demos online and donates all the earnings to pancreatic cancer research to honor Swayze. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's really and, sweet. And now it's time for us to honor this song and chat about it. Jeez, how we do it yeah, justice. That was, that, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. JP. What's up? What does this song mean to you? This song in what in the movie, it's like seven minutes, right? But like the song itself yes. is, you know, the release is like four and a half or something. So whatever number of minutes you want to say is like to me the culmination of how that movie, the movie felt for me. Like it built up this like sense of like the romanticism, the that sort of flashback feeling of like being kind of snuck into a memory that I never got to experience all culminates into this like piece of music that is at once 60s because of of like Melody's voice but also has that contemporary vibe you combine those two things and it was just like such a cool explosion of like pop culture craziness for you know young JP to like understand and discover it is probably I would say if not my favorite it's one of my top three favorite movie songs mm. of all time wow Damn. um power of love's up there just because like yeah. i have a soft spot for that one in particular I, it's hard to put into words just how big this song was for me as a kid and now i, th I still think it fits like it is truly like one of one of the most perfectly structured songs for what it has to do too so sophie i know you had a strong connection to the movie but mm -hmm. is that also to the song yeah it, i mean it's such a highlight on mm -hmm. the soundtrack not to take anything away from Hungry Eyes and She's Like the Wind, which is the song that Patrick Swayze wrote actually for a different movie and then it found its home in Dirty Dancing. Oh, cool. But I don't think I knew that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. This song, I feel like I can picture myself, my 13-year-old self, singing this like in the locker room at, like during PE class when all the girls are getting changed and like we probably all sang this song together which is like a very weird I, I know it's weird but like we <laughs> oh, we're all weird at 13 it's yeah fine. <laughs> I can I can picture all of us 
singing this song, even though like it is such an 80s song. I don't know what when you said that I picture like Safe by the Bell when like the girls <laughs> sing when they work out. <laughs> like there was a lot of singing in in eighth oh, yeah. grade. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like everyone had an appreciation for this movie. You would be hard pressed to find so, a, a real critic of this song to be like, ah fuck that song. No, I agree. You know, like, it, it is well. such an earworm. It's it's a classic. It does perfectly what it has to do mm-hmm. in the scene. I think that this is a movie song in particular that like when you hear it, you see that scene. You see yes. the lift. Yes. And you feel all those feelings. It's the best needle drop. Yeah, it's so it, good. It's so good. <laughs> it's used perfectly. And any I'm so glad that this song came to, to mm. this movie when it did because it it's so perfect it's for that fate. scene. Yeah, it's funny that you're saying when you're 13, you have like a very specific memory of like singing with your friends. Yes. I remember being like on the floor of my living room. Like I had just put the CD into like the, you know, I had the spinny case my parents uh, had. You take it yeah. out, put it, and I would just lay on the carpet and listen to the whole album. And that was like, I think it was, was it the first song on the album? I think it is. And like, that's yeah. so cool to be like, all right, we know what our hit is. La- right. The last part of the movie, we're just going to restructure this whole thing. Right. And it was always like, I just have such a distinct memory of even by myself, just like reliving the scene from the movie, even if like, because... I don't know if we had the VHS, so I'd have to catch it on TBS or listen to it and like imagine the movie. So you'd like mm-hmm. replay it on, on on repeat in my mind. That's it's such a good song. Yes. I actually I was when we were trying to tackle this mm-hmm. song, kind of like, how do you what's the angle? You know, how do you approach mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. thing? It really came through with the research because it was it's not that it's not a blind spot. Like you're it, it came you have to know this song if you're alive from the eighties and nineties. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so like how it's do you, not that you, you know, have fresh ears. But at for the it. same time, mm-hmm. I tune it out. Like it's not something as someone who's such a big fan of movie songs, it's not something I like seek. It was just like the stuff you would pop up in a commercial and be like, oh yeah, I know that's from 30 Dance. It's almost like you had to go through the same process for the song that you did with but, the but movie. But I, I didn't yeah. have a connection to it. Yeah. And and now doing the research, now watching this, the film in this time, I, f- I feel like it's just su- such an example of untangible magic that happens when mm-hmm. you put music and film together and just capture a lightning in a bottle moment. Yep. And you can't quite, like, you can do your best to describe what it, it is, but it's just like the combination of those two art forms at its highest. I think this song was released before the movie mm-hmm. I did on read the radio. That, yeah. It really didn't do that well and didn't track well. It was when the movie came out. And I just think mm-hmm. this is one of the many reasons we cover this stuff on the pod is the art form of this. You know, yeah. the writing a song to a movie, it's different muscle. And mm-hmm. and the, the application of it in the movie and can the application add of it, meaning to the song. Like, yes. If someone told me that... They think this is the best movie song ever. I can't really like. It's not mine. Yeah, it's, it's not even. It's not inherently. even in my like top fifty. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. but I also can't really. Yeah. Oh, there's absolutely. nothing to nitpick. Yeah. It's just fits like a glove. It's just perfection. Mm-hmm. How it fits with this movie, and I think that's where my appreciation now comes. It's just like, man, what a, what an amazing job these these group of people did. Yeah. To, absolutely write something that would fit in the movie, feed that kind of story. And the Without thing is, seeing the movie. That, I was just going to say, yeah. like that to mm-hmm. me is the, the, I think that might be the magic to it is yeah. that he had to basically take his own experiences and put like his own spin on it. So you're like, basically the songwriter is putting a sense of like nostalgia or memory to something 
and then it's universal enough. It's not just being like, here's Johnny and here's baby. Like the lyrics right. are so are vague enough that yes. you can put your own meaning, your own depth to it. And that's kind of, I, I think that adds to its universality. It's amazing how they, they pulled this off. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that this song is like, a lyrical feat. No, it's not, no, that's the thing. No, that's no, like, no. It just feels yeah. good. It does. And it works so well musically in the scene. And then mm-hmm. just the words, I've had the time of my life and I owe it all to you. You really yeah, don't yeah. need any lyric except just that. No, right. and it acknowledges that's that it. like the thing we're talking about has already happened. Yeah. So like it's like it's it's a culmination of a past experience looking mm-hmm. back at something. But there's something about the structure of the song carries you forward. Like, yeah, you can't stay here, but you can appreciate it. And the song is just going to keep you moving. And that's I don't know. It's really cool. It captures what the, the film feels like. Mm-hmm. The song to me, one of the reasons I feel like it can leave outside the movie mm-hmm. Also, just musically, just as the music itself, it captures so well that high that you feel mm-hmm. when you've had these like when you've had the time of your life. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. yes. I mean, yes. essentially, like when, when you've had these like special moments in your life, or just like you block out everything that's there's no before and after. You're just so present, mm-hmm. and you're having such a high of joy. Yeah. To me, that's what the that's what the the song feels like. I mean, Absolutely, it's, it's just a fucking classic. Well, just to say the lift thing really quickly, mm-hmm. I think the reason because it's it's been parodied to death, right? Of the course. lift is everywhere. Of course, I think to varying degrees of success. But the reason why I think it works so well in the movie, and the why every time I hear the chorus, regardless, it's like just like it's like the obvious goosebump pick that I'm like I that's honorable yeah. mention for everyone. I feel like, but it's. Because thematically in the movie, like they couldn't do it, obviously, like uh-huh. that they couldn't do it the whole film. She like chickened out in the performance. And it was like it they earned it in the end, but they also did it for themselves. Yeah. Like they didn't do it for the money. They didn't do it for it was like literally their moment. They're dancing because they wanted to dance together. And that's why I think that just like five seconds is just like perfect cinema. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, it's it just is. oh sorry. I just like don't I don't get to talk <laughs> so, about the lift yeah. of any other reason. So I'm like, let's throw it in. It's 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 a good point you bring up about the sort of like it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a cliche, but it works. For example, let's say uh, Chariots of Fire, the slow-mo. Like, that's mm-hmm. funny now. You know, yeah. that yeah, no yeah. one sees that and they're like, oh, my God, are they going to make whatever? Like, yeah. it's a joke now. Yeah. Versus that's this true. appears that's true. on, like, I don't know, a football commercial on Crazy Stupid Love, the movie. Like, this appears and it's not, it hits the same emotional yes. note as the movie. Like you, it's, it, not, it's winking more, but you're still like... Okay, yeah, that, but that yeah. we still, <laughs> you know, like, wow, okay. we're still like, so that's the power to the testament that like it yep. hasn't become some kind of like joke. It's just like. And the music has a huge part works. to play in that. Like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I wanted to go back to JP's point about how this movie has like one foot in the 60s and one foot in the 80s. Mm. Because, yes, it is absolutely set in 1963. She makes Very a point much. of telling us in the voiceover <laughs> at the top of the movie. Yes. And. Of course, when just sidebar, when I was watching it as a kid, I was like, old stuff. Yeah. 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 It's just a broad brush. Like, I did not really understand the difference between the 60s music and the 80s music in the soundtrack. No. So, yeah, I I guess I sort of wanted to play some clips of these musical choices and just see how everybody feels. Love it. So, like, the needle drops are unmistakably early 60s. You know, we have Be My Baby by the Ronettes. And we have Stay by Maurice Williams and the Zodiacs. Hey. Uh, just a 
And then diegetically, mm-hmm. in the movie, they are dancing to this. So I guess I just wanted to talk about, like, I think it is smart of Bergstein's choice Mm -hmm. to find a 60s artist to tie it in. But I guess I'm wondering how effective is that tie in for you guys? Watching it as an adult, do you feel any dissonance there? Do you even notice it? As I got older, I noticed the difference. Right. Um, I think when songs like Hungry Eyes and She's Like the Wind sneak in earlier in the film, it like... Those are the moments where I was like, okay, I'm at a crossroad. Do I like this or do I find this strange? And if you buy into that, yes, then you're like, it's like the songs, the whole soundtrack is decidedly going 60s, 80s, 60s, 80s. Uh-huh. And then this last song is 60s and 80s. Like it's like, yeah, it's one of the only ones that actually combines the musicality of both in a way that like, then you're like, okay, that dissonance is gone. And you're feeling this like the sense that there's like a union of these things and like this the couples together everyone's kind of ha- so for me like those songs i found to be a little bit more distracting as i got older mm-hmm. but they served the purpose of like introducing me to a genre of music that like works ultimately at the end because they combine really well yeah and then like putting his voice at the beginning of mm-hmm. that like i think is the way to usher it in really like oh is it going to be another like classic 60s song uh-huh. and then when jennifer comes in you're like oh wait a minute hold mm-hmm. on and that's i don't know i feel like that's a really cool way to combine all of those different things at the at the end of the film yeah, I'll I'll be honest. I had no clue that this was a period movie. Oh, you know, it was sixties. I didn't. I didn't know. Oh, to, to me, it's been. It's always an eighties movies, and that's another thing I kind of shut my brain off. Like, I don't think it. As does, a kid, I, I had the same. Opinion. I don't think yeah, it does a good thought, job yeah. at like this is a six. Like, I don't consider it's, it. It's so like like it's in one place the whole time, except for like when they go dance yeah, at that one. But it's pla- just like, like apart from like the old cars and stuff. Like it's just like even her like Jennifer Grey does not look. Oh, uh, her like, hair! That's eighties hair. They, they it still, like, is. Yeah, she looks eighties. Even in the soundtrack, back to your question, so like. To me, those songs are are great, like Be My Baby and, and mm-hmm. Stay. Like, those are, are classics, but they just kind of blend in the background. They feel like radio music from that era, rather than something really to do with the story. So, Well, they, they are, but also Bergstein made a point of picking mm-hmm. these songs and then to the music supervisor was like, get these no, songs. I, yeah. And they did. I, I know yeah. they're, not, yeah. they're not random. It's right. just it doesn't, I guess what I'm saying, even the soundtrack per se, it's an 80s soundtrack. Those songs are sort of like an interlude between the 80s. I have a counterpoint to this. Ooh, okay. So I just realized as you're saying that there's a song, and now I can't remember in the context of it, like what the name of it is, but when she's doing the Lover Boy, that whole thing where they're like lip syncing during rehearsal. Yes. That to me is like the crux of when the soundtrack combines in an interesting way Mm. where like the 60s music is there just to establish, you know, the decade that you're in. But now you're taking this very obvious chemistry and setting it to that music by them just literally singing to each other. I love that. That adds like kind of a sexual tension to it that like that song on its face, I would not have had. Like it's like a lovable, it's like coy. You know, it's a 60s song where like, you know, that's not really like they they couldn't cross that line. Mm -hmm. But these characters can't help but have such energy with, with each other. Like there's just such a kinetic vibe to it that like. It makes the 60s music feel a little sexier, makes it yes. feel a little more like the 80s. And like those moments help it kind of like bridge those gaps slowly through through the film. And I, I just I feel like to your point where like, oh, it's just 60s music. I think those few songs had to be there so that those moments where they like brought in some like raw like sexual energy or whatever to those moments 
helps bridge the the two decades in a fun and creative way. Maybe I should have played a clip of this song, but like they are dan- when Baby walks in on the dirty dancing, one of the songs oh, they're yeah. dancing to is Love Man by Otis Redding. And I guess like mm. when I hear that song now, it sounds so tame out yeah. of context. Just like, oh, I'm a love man. Yeah, you know, like, exactly. But at exactly. the time, I'm sure that this was a lot racier. And then, but that drives home more when I see them yes. dancing yeah. in that way. Like, I'm like, oh, this is kind of dirty. Like, this is a little raunchy. Yeah, and you're like, it's tame now. It was crazy then. But then you're putting the the intensity of it uh-huh. back in. You're injecting that feeling into like the contemporary lens of what the 80s must have felt like to see it. So it's, yes. I don't know. There's just such a nice yin and yang of the two that work really well. Yeah, I think I think I've been convinced that I do like the marriage of both, yeah. but also because I just really love "She's Like the Wind" and "Hungry Eyes," <laughs> yeah. and those are two of like the most '80s songs. They stick out, and you're like, I guess I'm going like, for this ride. Here's here's the saxophone, and she's like the wind. Oh yes, yes. Like, that's the most 80s saxophone that has ever 80s saxophone. And Hungry Eyes does it, too. Yeah. That might be more 80s. They're both duking it out in this saxophone battle. But, like, those songs are unmistakably 80s. And... There's sex in the last song. Like that's yeah. what I'm saying. There's sex everywhere yeah. in this thing. It's amazing. This is what's been going on on my brain nonstop since I've been researching this spot. That's it on a loop. Yeah. It's just such an earworm. <laughs> yeah, you know, while researching this, I was like, should we be talking about She's Like the Wind? Because that's a really good song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought Hungry Eyes was the number two song on this soundtrack. She's Like the Wind. I gotta get like it. She's, yeah. she's Like the Wind. I asked my mom, what's her favorite song in the movie? She did not say I've had the time Well, that's that doesn't surprise. It's, Again, who wrote the song? She said She's the Like the Wind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But also, I feel like I've Had the Time of My Life has reached such a status <laughs> yeah. where it's like, can that be your favorite? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, it's a given. Like, yeah, yeah. What's, yeah. I've had the time of my life. Great song. Cool, cool, cool. But she's like the wind, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> That's a good point. JP and Paolo, have you seen the music video for I've Had the Time of My Life? I did a few days ago for the first time. As for did research. I. And um, that was an experience. I, I, <laughs> I say this. With the utmost respect mm-hmm. to Bill Medley and Jennifer Warrens, mm-hmm. who are both beautiful singers, this is not what I thought they looked like. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a reason why why we're cutting to a lot of shots of sexy dancers. They put so much of the movie into just not so much of the movie to to avoid showing them in the light of day. It's why they're in super black and white, high contrast, can't really see what's going on. Quickly cut away to the shirtless Patrick Swayze, because, again, mm-hmm. utmost respect, they look like someone's elderly uncle <laughs> and a virgin librarian are, like, singing together. Oh. Like yeah. it, I thought you were calling them butt ugly, but no, you're just saying they're not. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I was like, just, that's savage. No, they're just not hot. Yeah, they're antithetical to what the song is saying in, is, in a way. Yes, it is so bizarre seeing these people <laughs> sing to each other right in the face, like... We both 
understand the urgency of like fucking right now. And I'm like, please don't. <laughs> there's like, there's so many examples of music videos where the artists just aren't featured. Like they just show they dance or whatever, and they could have just done them. it. We didn't need it. <laughs> Having we, it all intercut was like, oh, oh, it was, yeah. it was so jarring. <laughs> and there's a point, and it's I'm gonna spoil one of my answers to a okay. question. Yeah. But like, there's something in the way that Bill shimmies that is like there's unsettling. a lot of shimmying. Yeah, and I'm like, no, but like, don't just stand still, just bark and bark as they say on Broadway. Just don't try. That would it. be fine. Don't look at each other. <laughs> Don't, don't make eye yeah. contact. <laughs> it's, everyone, if you haven't seen it, because I didn't even know it existed until recently. It's fresh, like, obviously. Go, go take a look. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, discovered I'm still it. reeling from it. <laughs> Dang, I thought it was just black and white because it's timeless, but Sophie, you wild. Yeah, no, no I, I think they were like, how can we try to make this sexier? How much green can we put on Honestly. This? Sophie, you wild. You're wild! Oh, I'm oh my god! <laughs> Wait, wait, okay, we did not plan this. That's my mom's favorite line in the entire movie. Oh, I have in my notes, my mom's like, the part where she goes, you're wild. She's like, that's my favorite. I mean, he really oh. is wild. Totally. It was raining, he's broke, and he <laughs> breaks the window of his car just to, like, get yep. in. Like, yep. Dude, just like cancel the plans. I mean, like, I, I sorry, no. we can't. No, no, they had to practice because uh, at a forest, they need to help for some Penny. reason. Yeah. And yes. he also, at this okay. point, I think he's like, kind of just, like, spending time with her, you know? It's yeah. Cute. But yeah, my mom, my mom literally, I didn't even ask her like to tell me that. She's like, you're wild. That's my favorite line. I'm like, there, okay, yeah, I'll write that there, down. There are so many classic lines from this movie. Oh my God. I found some interesting things with the awards that this song won hmm. too. So it won the Academy Award for Best Original Song, mm -hmm. the Golden Globe for Best Original Song, Motion Picture, and the Grammy for Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals. So funnily enough, it lost the Grammy for best song written specifically for a motion picture or television. What did it lose to? Do you know? I do know. It lost to Somewhere Out There from an American Tale. Okay, so that's, that's I mean, also that's one of my mom's favorites. Yeah. That's well, a great song. You know I mean, what? it's not better, I mean, but Fievel, it's a great song. I mean, has got firepower. He d absolutely. <laughs> Somewhere out there, if And interestingly, this year, mm -hmm. 1988, when, when the awards happened, was the first year that that category was celebrated. Oh, what and, a start, huh? Well, Dang. I think it's because we got some heavy hitters, so we got somewhere out there. Mm -hmm. We got Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship from Mannequin. Ooh. Oh, wow. We got Who's That Girl by Madonna from the film of the same name. And we also got Moonlighting by Al Jarreau from the film of the same name. I can Just see why bangers. they were like, you know what? Let's create an award. We need, an, we need a category for this. We That's need to cool. Hop on board. Go five so, for yeah. beating all those contenders. Man, I love nothing's gonna stop us now. Yeah, <laughs> you're like jotting that down as a future pod. Uh, we did that at karaoke. <laughs> did you really? <laughs> we did. <laughs> That's great.
uh, uh, recording of that or it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like, I really would like to hear that. Dang, if, if, if I was voting in that category, I would have just been like stressed out. Like, oh, I do final. I can't, I can't abandon Bible, but jeez. Yeah, it's, it's a toughie. Like, oh, yeah. man. Oh, man. I think we are going to have to do Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now because I have so many, I have so many thoughts well, I mean, about that you know, song. currently Mount Rushmore holder spot, uh, Diane Warren. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. She wrote that song. That's, yeah. This is probably her. Well, like, there's like three moments where you're like, you really missed out on the Oscar. Like, this was your really strong opportunity. Is she like the Glenn Close of songwriters or is she more like John Williams where she just gets nominated all the time? She is the most nominated in this category, yeah. I think, for a song. And she hasn't won it. She's been nominated. She was nominated like, this year, wasn't she? She was yeah, yeah. Like a, yeah. Like a, for like a movie that like didn't exist. Dud, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a total yeah. dud. But um, yeah. like, she hasn't won. I think like she's more than she, 10 she got an honorary. She got yeah, a she, lifetime. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. She got an apology Oscar. Basically. Yeah. Basically, they were like, "Oh, we fucked that's, up." That's basically the, the Charlie Chaplin we, Award. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like you <laughs> should have worn this served. before, but uh, <laughs> yeah. here you go. Yeah. All right. Well, we've talked about. I've had the time of my life. We've touched on. She's like the wind in hungry eyes. But there's one other original song from this movie that we need to talk about. And it is Hulahana, the song that baby's sister Lisa sings for the talent show. Who's this Hulahana of Kamana on a hula And you can whack it all you wanna, you can whack it while I walk Glass shatters. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, yes. Poor I, thing. When I found out that this was an original song, I was like, this is my one chance to talk about this. <laughs> so they had originally wanted Lisa to sing another song, but the rights were too expensive because Bergstein had already picked all these other songs Fair. to be needle drops. And I guess they're like, no more money I mean, in also, the music money budget well for you. Also, you're going to butcher a song. Why do we have to butcher an expensive <laughs> <Yeah>. song? <Yeah. laughs> like, Don't do that. No, that's very fair. You know. So luckily for us, so they were just going to cut cut the song just be like whatever she doesn't sing mm -hmm. luckily for all of us they <laughs> offered to let jane brucker the actress who played lisa to write something so she co-wrote the song it. that's yes so she co-wrote the song with kenny ortega and it was supposed to be just like a background thing mm -hmm. so they quickly came up with some choreo and shot it and um well, the song plays like entirely under a conversation, like a very serious conversation. <laughs> There's too, a lot going on between like Johnny mm -hmm. and this adulterous guest and like mm -hmm. her oh. her cuck of a husband. And, like, <laughs> By the way, do you know, do you know the age of that like adulteress, whatever? Oh, she's probably 40. Like She's 35. That I, don't, I don't want <laughs> that information. <laughs> I'm going to unlearn oh, that. no. Dumping that out of my brain. Oh, poor lady. So she's a year older than Patrick. Literally. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, She's a year gee. younger than me. Oh my <laughs> god. So Ardolino uh luckily saw something in this performance and really gave it its time to shine in the movie. And I think that we are all very thankful. And people that don't know this. Did. That is the uh, def that is actually the first use of the word cringe was <laughs> when you really first see that for the first time. You're like, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Before we go to answer both questions, I just want to go back to I've had the time of my life a little bit and end it with this. I love researching for mm -hmm. these things because you really, internet never disappoints with weird shit. Oh, yeah. It's a fun rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. Now I play some hoes in my life, but I've never played this hoe before. 
And I swear, if it's cool, oh, I only want to be. Didn't that go where you think that was going to go? Really did. Every syllable of that. And the head, you have great headphones yeah. that, that I made, we made perfect use of just now. That was in my brain. Like, the sound was everywhere. What did I just listen to? Yeah. I wish I could tell you. I don't know. You just have some, no some, idea. Some okay. Stuff. Okay. My favorite website, Who Sample Who. Oh, it's just a fun, that's always a fun visit um, when we're doing research for the pod. Just oh who sample who? Like, goodness. who sample this? That's a sample of that at the time of my life. That is a choice. Well. Oh my goodness gracious. Then I guess I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up that Black Eyed Peas song. Oh yeah. I had the time of my life. There it's it like, it's like. Let's take the good part of it, and then how we can immediately take a dump on it. Thirty B, bloom, 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 bloom. Yeah. I don't know. Well, but Fergie actually, Fergie, like, Fergie, Fergie sings, sings the hell out of that chorus. Sings the hell out of that chorus. Yeah. I'm like, oh man. There you go. See, yeah. I don't think I remember this song as well. It's not. It's... Uh, I, I won't do that to you. I won't like yeah. Either, you know? like, two for two would be yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah. <laughs> All right, it's time for Asable Questions. Let's do it. Let's Woo. move on. Seven seconds in heaven. What seven seconds from the song gives you goosebumps? JP, you're the, up first. The obvious answer, I'm going to say the caveat is like anytime the chorus drops, because you immediately think of the jump. So I'm Fair. just going to say that that is like, that is the obvious choice that I would probably want to pick. But I'm going to pick the one that I like because it reminds me of like why my mom likes the song mm. is the it's I call it the quiet part. It's basically when the whole song drops out. And, oh yeah, and well, yeah. we can play it, and then I can talk to why, because like, yeah. Hey, hey, <laughs> time of my life. No, I never felt this way before. Yes, I swear. And then there's a part right after that that yeah. we don't like. You can cue it in later if you want to do some movie magic or whatever. But he goes, and I owe it all to you, and he does like the. Patrick Swayze does the little like head nod and, and like so cute. mimics it to her and I like melt every time and it's like one of my mom's favorite parts and then I when I when you told us about the demo circling back to mm -hmm. that I made the note is that the demo was played a little slower like you can tell that like the tempo is like maybe 10 or 15 clicks slower and in the context of him like doing the lip sync you can tell that he's like a little behind the beat and it's so cute because it just seems like yeah, Johnny's a good dancer, but he's not quite the singer. Like he lost, he lost the thread for a second. Oh, and it's because so, it's he's he's singing to the click track that's wait. slower. Like he's singing to a song that is inherently slower. This could be love. If he, it's a little bit slower, yeah. it is. You're so, right. So if that if because that's obviously that's the double time part. So if you take that and like slow it down relative to what the uh -huh. other, it's probably a little bit slower. I'm purely speculating but it's also super cool to see like a little peek behind the curtain that they had enough of a demo to do that and like prove that they weren't just doing it to like a metronome um but yeah I, that part is um i love that part so much it's like my favorite part of the song well jp mm -hmm. you will not have to wait long to finish out that stanza because this is my favorite Yay! seven seconds it's truth, and i'll Just pure just, euphoria. Uh, just the intensity. I love that he's, they're like having that tender moment and he's singing it to Ugh. her. Ugh, just and melt. he's like, 
that like head nod yes. that he does on he the Owen LTU. His face. It's the the gruffness Ugh. of Bill Medley's voice, and then the chorus comes in. Like it's such a euphoric moment. Like I, anytime a chorus comes in, it it gets me right in the feels. And so. and Johnny is so you know he's a little buttoned up. He's a little uptight. Yes, he looks a, a little bit there. I mean, he's dancing very. You know, he's yeah. some raunchy stuff he does. But yeah. like personality wise, that's kind of like the loosest he gets, and it's really cute. Yeah, he's. Not we only get a couple glimpses of like goofball, yes, uh, Johnny, yeah. and that's one of them. And that's the that's there. why people went back to see this movie. I think <laughs> so. All right, Paolo, can you top that? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, look, good, good choices. You're both, and, and sorry, JP, your mom too are wrong. Oh wow, <gasps> wow. it's not the best part of this. Yes, song. it is. This is blasphemy. <laughs> the only one that obvious choice again, if we're Eliminating the chorus by... Fair, fair. That's like... The yep. obvious choice is... Come on, oh, that oh, drop. The initial good. drop. No, yeah. that's pretty drop. good. That's where everyone in the okay, movie... That's, that's in the dog summer. Drop. Everyone's just like, oh, hey, what's going on here? You start moving, <laughs> yeah. you're like, whoa, my butt. You hey. it's, it's compulsive. <laughs> hey, like, it's like... <laughs> If like I can see why this guy directed Hocus Pocus because that moment where like everyone like gets possessed. like gets like yeah. possessed like oh my god you know kind of oh, like same vibe I like he that. did it first it was Dirty Dancing it was that moment uh-huh. that okay. moment oh my you're like whoa I don't mean to hedge my bets but I do like on my notes so I was like my first one I went in order of the song and I'm like when the baseline starts so it's like that was one of my honorable I mean, mentions that is a classic yeah <laughs> usually when the baseline starts people get excited like, oh shoot so. and that's when that's when the the two genres collided you know that's when like his voice and then all of a sudden you're like oh, that doesn't yeah. fit in a 60 song so good pick favorite lyric jp what do you got i mean we talked about this is not necessarily the strongest part of the song perhaps not no yeah. but there's there's a way that they're singing together i think is really cool so when the duets are like when they're joining in together i think is when the song's at its strongest lyrically mm. so the part where uh it's they're both together harmonizing and they say so we take each other's hand because we seem to understand the and the way they say urgency, yeah. like there's something about it that's got like a nice like little way, like you're riding the wave of the song. Um, so, yeah, I think that's great because it's it speaks to just like how their relationship was just like, like rel- they couldn't they couldn't hide it from each other. And now they're together just like running with it. And they're, they it's one of the first parts where they sing together as well in the song. So it just really kind of hits for me. So we take each other's hand because we seem to understand the JP, you we, and I see. This are is proof that we don't plan this stuff ahead of time. Like we're on the same page. Johnny and Baby, like Bill yeah. Medley and Jennifer Warren's, like we are uh. right there together. So I, I took it a little further. I mm-hmm. did with now with passion in her eyes. Oh, There's so no good. way we could disguise it secretly. Mm-hmm. So we take each other's hand because we seem to understand the urgency. And yes, the delivery of urgency <laughs> is amazing. Like we said, mm-hmm. the lyrics aren't exactly the high point of this song, so I'm not going to like harp on them. Like, I'm not going to harp on disguise it secretly. It, it, yeah, that's a little redundant. Sure, whatever. <laughs> but I really like the rhyming pattern of this sequence mm-hmm. and it's it, it gives it a little bit more interest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're they're evergreen, which is good. It plays to the like timelessness of the song. Definitely, I would just do like an honorable mention. She's like the wind has some good lyrics. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I rather do some shout out to she's like the wind because I feel <laughs> oh, like wow. the lyrics change here change your own rules. Wow. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like 
I look in the mirror and all I see is a young old man with only a dream. Listen, I the think older it's a little you get, stupid, but I yeah, am I, I just fooling like, myself? No. Though she'll stop the pain. Pella, Living this, without her, I'd go insane. No, That's the, an entirely different song. <laughs> like you can't do this. You're, this is okay. All right, breaking right, the yeah, construct right, of right. Like, young old man. Like the older you yes. get, when you're like, oh no, the old part's more resonant. Yeah. <laughs> just like I'm starting to feel. All right, my favorite rig is I've had the time of my life. No, I've never felt this way before. Perfect. Yeah. That's that is a that's iconic. It's as oh, yeah. timeless as you can get. Can't argue with that. Is um, it specifically the, in the beginning when when he says it slowly, or is it because they say no, it a few in, times in the, in, the, in, the, in the chorus? Okay, okay. Chorus. Especially the no, I've never felt this way before. Like if you thought you did, yeah, it's yeah. Like, no, nope. it's like they're, nope. they're answering uh-huh. rhetorical. Nope. No one this asked. Is, <laughs> this like, no. is the okay. best moment you're having. Yeah, like, nope. It wasn't that I like grilled that. cheese okay. you just ate. It was Fair. like this. close second, but yes, yeah, yeah I agree. Hall of Fame moment. Who or what had their best moment in pop culture with this movie and or song? It could be a person, a studio, a film, a music genre, a pair of shoes, whatever you want. JP, do what? you have any... Why did you say pair of shoes? <laughs> because, I don't know. because I have kids as an honorable mention. Yes! <laughs> my, like, a third of my like fashion personality was like, how can I find as many kids as possible? Because baby's style was contemporary in a way that I did not expect. Like growing up, I was like, again, we didn't know if it was 60s or 80s. It felt sort of just like old. And I loved her like capris and her, her shoes. Like they always showed cutaways of her dancing. And I was like a big fan of the shoes. Honorable mention also to her hair, even though it was Ugh. distinctly 80s. I, as a girl with really curly hair growing up, didn't have like a ton of examples of like just unabashedly curly hair being like the focal point of someone's like look. And I just really liked just her whole style. I just was like emulating that vibe for years to come. Um, so yeah, I think that's like my Hall of Fame moment. Oh my it's God. just sort okay. of aesthetic. Hilariously, one of mine was Hall of Fame moment for making Capri's sexy. Yes. Or yes. I, guess, I guess they're more like a Bermuda short, but like, yes, Listen. like that outfit. There's a, with, yeah, with there's the a denim, little ankle. And yeah, then. with the denim, the denim long shorts to the knee. And then she has the tied, yeah, the tied the, the white crop, shirt. Yes. And then they're crawling on the ground with each other. Like I was like, just all, wow. all of it. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I've been Hello. chasing it ever since. Have <laughs> oh, I have a couple of one. I yeah, mean, yeah, I have, let's I have get more. the uh, the obvious mm. out of the way. Mm-hmm. Has to be climatic dancing scene. Like, has to be one. Yeah. Like, yes. Yes. Uh, way to yeah. Way to close out. I think yeah. both for. I mean, Jennifer Grey, without a doubt. But like, I think mm-hmm. Patrick Swayze. This. I. I don't know. Like, I don't. Is Ghost was a bigger hit? I mean, I would like to say Point Break. It's not Point Break. I think Dirty Dance is his definitive role. I think yeah. so. Ghost think is so. good too, but so, yeah. I have one. Mm-hmm. Um, the term mailbox money. Oh. Um, this oh. is what songwriters call when you have a song that is mailbox money. What the composer mean? here smartly protected his publishing rights. Oh. Because yeah. they wanted to pay oh. him. They oh, so wanted to pay living, him living on those residuals. Mm-hmm. Yep, they wanted to pay him uh, a set fee, and mm-hmm. they proposed it was like a thousand dollars per song. And he was like, mm, "Give me three thousand per song, and let me keep the publishing rights." And that Connecticut whatever startup uh, <laughs> restaurant company yeah. was like, "Sure." And the naivety. That yeah, they didn't out. know. So he keeps. Cashing them checks, you know. That's awesome. Good for him. I mean, Danny Elfman with the Simpsons theme comes. Oh, yeah. That's a close. Like, oh, did he do the same? Yeah, he he apparently wrote it in like a couple of minutes, and he gets paid every (laughs) time he gets used. So that's a really good mailbox money. Wild. But uh, this one's up there. uh, Absolutely, that's really cool. Good on him. Hall of Fame moment for those like long watermelons. 
Yeah. Because you only ever see the, the round ones these days. And <laughs> I would put money on this being the most iconic application of a long yes. watermelon. Yeah. I'd argue perhaps the only time I've seen long watermelons. <laughs> when I first saw this movie, I was like, the hell is what that? What is that? <laughs> I'm like, thank gosh she enunciates what she's carrying because yeah, I am they, confused. Yeah. Is there a Lilita scene or something? They don't pay off the, those watermelons. What do they use it for? It's just like just, it's a, he an, needed a, an to excuse to them. bring her up there because he didn't have enough hands. I know, but yeah. it's not necessarily like a party favor. But you like, get like the just iconic go, line. Like, I carried the watermelons. Yes, <laughs> it's like did they shot that scene with like alcohol or beer, and they were like, oh, we gotta, we gotta tone it down. <laughs> no, we already yeah. got the funniest know. thing she could do is walk in carrying <laughs> a, a weird water- ass watermelon, <laughs> a- eggplant, and seeing all these people grinding on each other, and it's like, uh, <laughs> the hell do I do? It's such a charming moment. Like, it is. When Paolo, when Paolo was re-watching the mm-hmm. movie for research, I was like, I don't need to see it again. I got this. Mm-hmm. I walked in on that scene and then sat and watched the rest of the movie. Because, <laughs> it happens. I was it happens to the best of us. by those watermelons and how you. adorable Jennifer Grey is in that moment. It's endearing because we all yes. have that awkward moment of like, I want to help. I don't know what to, I'm going to, okay, I'm here. What? And she's, <laughs> am I so, here? she's like so in over her head watching these Absolutely. people grind on each other. And like the moment when she da- starts dancing with Johnny, it's so awkward, but she's like trying. Yeah. And like, then they kind of have a connection and then he just spins away from her. <laughs> like, just and she's just like, they're like clapping like it's, it's so cute i also i also think, overwhelmed. i also think you sense some magic was happening with me that i was like into the film yeah you're like i want to i want to stay she was looking at me in the film sort of like i want to see this happening <laughs> in like, real time yeah, there's yeah. something else going I on see that 180 yeah. that's going on because i was like oh Oh, oh, yeah. Oh. She was like, ah. Those are the audible sounds you make during yeah. a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Remix with today's current artist or band. Who would you choose to perform this song if the movie came out today? Uh, JP, what do you got? Okay, so my two picks. Uh, there's one that's obvious mm. in that I just want to hear this person's interpretation because I've I've enjoyed her duets of old classic songs. And so seeing her take on this would actually be pretty cool. And I love this other this other person's voice so much. He has such a deep, fun voice to like anchor. Orville Peck and Lady Gaga. Wow, that's who I want. Lady to Gaga can definitely. Wow. I mean, she can do anything. Orville Peck would just be like this bass line, mm-hmm. just like rumble to play with. That I think is kind of akin to the way Bill Melody sang I'm some of these things. I'm not familiar with his work. You, if you want to like throw in some of his stuff. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, in the, in I, the will, I will. I will. I do that uh, for I would do, there's like, I think it's Daytona Sands is the name of the song is a really good pick. It's just his albums. Ugh, he's so good. Li- and I'm such a fangirl for, for Orville Peck. Long hairs, low eyes, I like your style. We both ain't got a job. But he has such a deep, deep bass voice. Mm. And then Gaga can just like soar yeah. around it and they can just mix and match. It would be so much fun. Let's put a pause on that. I want to hear Sophie's pick, but mm-hmm. I'm going to pick it up right where you left. Okay. Uh, Sophie, what do you have? Weirdly, like usually I think long and hard about these. And this one just like came <laughs> to me. That. And I, I was just that. like, sure. Oh, no. Okay. Really? Yeah. Weirdly. Now I'm excited know. to hear what it All is. Right. Yeah. So um, I went with John Legend and Jennifer Hudson for this i feel like their vocals could lend easily to this Mm -hmm. style of song and i think they'd have a lot of fun with it i think that's really good yeah because she would just like 
I mean, that's... Take it to the next level. Exactly. And, and he has such a, like, kind of a classic 60s Very classic. vibe to him. Yes, yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. We got piano. I mean, exactly. so... One of, <laughs> to win-win. I, yeah. had, I had John Legend, too. Oh, yeah? Really? Because I was thinking, you know, who can do a duet. And I also was thinking, I mean, John Legend doesn't fall in this category, but, like, who's, like, not uber famous? Mm. Like, I, I actually mm -hmm. try to stay away from, like, a lady guy. Like, someone, like, because both of these, uh, Bill Mentley and Jennifer weren't, like, Madonna and someone, like, doing, yeah. so I was kind of like, who, like, on a, on a B level, mm -hmm. John Legend is not, so I, I fell <laughs> at that. So I, I had John Legend and Adele Dacine. <laughs> All right, John Travolta, okay, calm down. Hold on a second. Wait, you don't think she's iconic? Like, <laughs> do you know how much money this woman makes <laughs> so, off of uh, so Frozen just, alone? Elsa's so, presence. So that's the thing. I failed on both accounts. Money. Yeah, I failed on sorry, both accounts. Sorry, no. Shoot, I, but, like, I mean, I, would... I could not come up. And here's the thing. This is where I want to pick up what you were saying. Yeah. Today's male vocalist, I found a hard time finding deep males like the falsetto is such a thing like like yeah, they yeah, all yeah. sing so the, the like weekends the yeah, yeah. The people almost everyone and we talked about this i think in another episode of, mm -hmm. of this spot so it was hard to come up with like a male deep voice vocalist yeah. that i know so not a lot of people on the list that like who pull up this song nowadays that's why I, like literally i went to orville first and i was like who could mix with that because orville's yeah. voice is just the basiest bass voice ever like it defies logic that someone who looks like him sounds like that but yeah it's to your point yeah it's an interesting kind of like kind of hole in the genre right now wtf a moment from the movie or song that made you think it kind of needed a second opinion jp do you have any in the movie specifically, no. For me, what I interpreted this one is the the music video. <laughs> that was the <laughs> I really, Mine I is the it. exact same. This music oh, video is whack. <laughs> like, <laughs> I honestly like, there's a scene in Hot Fuzz where they're watching Romeo and Juliet and their eyes are wide for like three hours. That's how I felt watching the music <laughs> video. I was like, I couldn't blink. I was like, I don't know what I'm watching. And it's, it, they're, it's fine, but like, I don't know. They tried dancing. It was a fail. Then there's like color shots of dancers, but then they black and white it to obscure that. It's I the like thing is a wonderful video, little mess. Say. Oh my god. It's no, a wonderful okay, mess. Okay, here's the thing. Put them in the music video, even though they both looked crazy. We don't need to try to make it romantic. Like they don't no, need to ISO. be singing ISO to each shots. other. Yes, ISO. That's it. Yeah. Like <laughs> leave it to baby and Johnny. <laughs> there's, there's a point where she puts her her the top of her head on his chest. And I'm like, uh, I don't I think I could imagine that being cute, but I don't understand if you've ever met each other. Like, it just it, felt it was so wrong. weird. It felt, it was, yeah. yeah it they was like, do not have the chemistry that Jennifer Gray and Patrick Swayze Yeah, had. it was, it, yeah. So we have on uh, season two, our Patreon submitted question. Ooh. This came, by the way, of Melly G, and it's, what's your favorite dance montage? Great question. I interpret this as not dancing scene, but mm -hmm. it had to oh. have multiple. Like, it can just be like a straight performance. Mm -hmm. It could be a scene, but a montage, you know, like you, you caught together multiple things. Yeah. But that was my interpretation. I'm just curious what if you guys interpret it that way. JP, what did you? If you go by the strict definition of montage being like, it cuts to multiple scenes or sequences or things that are like disparate from one location. Like, like the, for example, Napoleon Dynamite to me is not a montage. Okay. Okay. That's know? fair. No, that's a performance. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, that's so, fair. so okay. I stayed away from that. I but. will caveat it with two then. One that follows that definition and one that may not. Okay. We'll go in. The first one that follows it, I think, pretty pretty strictly, Cell Block Tango. Because it, like, ah, it is a performance I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. from Chicago, 
Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, it's, sorry, sorry. The, the Selbo Tango sequence from Chicago is like, it's like a masterclass of that performance aspect, but then yeah. it cuts to like, like them talking in prison about the crimes they committed. No, yeah, for so sure. So it's like spoken into the dialogue and then it cuts to like. Yeah, because it's a theater thing. So it's yes. like multiple things are happening at there's once. There's a conceit and then yeah. there's also the real time like conversations that uh -huh. they're actually have. I think that is like okay, expertly that's done. interesting interpretation. That's I like a, that. But in terms of. The one that definitely doesn't, I think, doesn't really follow the rule, but like is the one that I first thought of was um, "Can't Stop the Beat" by from Hairspray. But it's not a mm, montage. It's not just, a, yeah. it's just the to me one of the best. It's like the closest that an end song has gotten to like what Dirty Dancing yeah. pulls off. So I was like, I'm gonna mention it because I want to, um, but I'm definitely not answering your Patreon just like subscribers' question. Just like me with she's with she's yeah, like exactly. the wind. At yeah. least I, I tried to stick to the prompt. I'm sorry yeah. if I failed anyone out there. Uh, but yeah, those are my two mm. topics. Okay, I'm gonna say that mine is like a half fail, half win <laughs> because it's not exactly one performance, mm -hmm. but it is all to one song in one location. Okay, I thought of Breakfast Club when they're dancing to "We Are Not Alone." No, but that's oh, perfect. That's, that's actually, exactly, that's exactly it. it. Oh, okay, no, you crushed I did it. it. Yay, that's it. I did it. I like, literally couldn't think. I just yeah, thought of another one, too. It's not like it, like it cuts to multiple yeah. timelines in that when they're well, in the library. I mean, it's all them in the library. You know, it's not yeah, like. It but it's a it passage yeah, of time. Yeah. It's, it's a, a passage of time. Yeah, I mean, I think that the implication is like they have been dancing for a while, maybe to different songs. Like, it's not all just this one thing because, like, we have the iconic Molly Ringwald dancing on that platform yeah, on yeah. the stairs, like just the most perfect dance ever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with the shuffling of the feet and the guys going back and forth. So like, yeah, I, I think, I think, thank you. But I think it's like a little twinge of a fail because it is all one location. Although like now when I was thinking about dance montages, like the one in, in Dirty Dancing is perfect. The one to Hungry Eyes. Mm -hmm. Then I was thinking like, this is also a training montage. So like this can go right up there That's with like true. Rocky and Karate Kid. That is true. So. Mine, I don't know if it qualifies. I think so. <laughs> so, okay, so, so we all, we no, 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 no. what a montage is no, no, apparently. I, I think, I think us, it is. So a lot of us edited in our lives. Mine is the beginning of Do the Right Thing with um, mm -hmm. Public's Enemy Fight the Power. Mm. So it's like an opening credit. So the credits are happening. So yep. it's not like a scene. I just don't remember if like they cut. I think they cut to like multiple like moments. That's a, yeah, a good example of it. Same thing okay. with like the opening to uh, The Departed. There's like a five or six minutes of yeah. just like building all the characters out in what feels like a montage. But yeah, but I, I just, yeah I, I like I've that. always loved that opening to that film. It's mm -hmm. just with the combination with that song and Rosie Perez, right? Rosie yes. Perez, yeah, mm -hmm. she's and and, and mm -hmm. her dancing is just like man. I just feel everything. I, I feel the emotions of like what the song. The movie, I mean, obviously rewatching it as yeah. you know what the, where the movie goes. It's just mm -hmm. like I don't know. That was that was just the first one that came to mind, and I, I always go like the first one that comes to mind like has to be strongly considered. So yeah, is this a car song? No one can define it, but everyone knows when they hear it. Is this a song you listen to in the car? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that CD yeah. was like burned into my oh, CD player well, in the car. Agreed. And this is like a Windows Down song. So, so, yes. Oh, oh, can Please elaborate, because I was going to say, is this a car song doesn't mean listen to it in the car and not be like No, you can perform it, about it in the car. But like listening to it in the car adds like an extra element. Like it's really good in that context. So I think so, because you can sing it as a duet with someone. You can sing yeah. it by yourself. Oh, you can sing yes. it with a car full of people. Like yeah. it's... It's a crowd pleaser. It is. Sophie and I didn't do this duet. We did She's Like the Wind duet. I was like, 
Her breath close to my face. Her body close to me. And I'm like, doo, 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 yeah. doo. And we're just driving down Sierra Madre with the windows lower, just blasting. She's like, the don't wind. tell people where we are. We are not in yeah. Sierra Madre. It's fine. Nobody listens enough to oh be like, I'm going to go. Like, I don't know what your obsession is with telling people the locations that we go to. It always so you, happens you just, you when bleep. JP's on the yeah, podcast. Just bleep oh it God. and then keep everything else. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will the song go on? Last one. Will the song live on and continue to be a pop culture? I mean, it doesn't. Yes. It, yes. Doesn't, it yes. has and it will. It has okay. and it will. Yes. YouTube comments, Sophie. Let's move up to YouTube comments. What did you find? Yeah, well, here's some evidence that the song will go on from our first comment. Season three of Umbrella Academy might have been weird, but I'm glad they introduced me to this song. I'm a Gen Z kid, and I'm glad to learn about the songs our grandparents made love to. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was all going so well. Was, I, was like, I was like, whoa. It's like, yeah, whoa. Gen Z, no. Also, grandparents? I don't, is that? Uh, I guess maybe. Why would you be interested Depends. in that? Yeah, if you're anyway, in the 30s. I, the, I've never also, I don't, I mean, I know that this song is all about having sex, but like, are people having sex to this song? I don't think so. I'll it's ask, like, I asked my grandpa. Yeah. Like, oh, Overload, <laughs> yes. I asked my grandpa, like, what was it like serving in the military in World War II and stuff like that? And go, like, what, what, what songs did you, like, make love to? No, you know? no. I Missed wanna... opportunity, pivot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway. Maybe you would have uh, said this one. I don't know. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Here's our next one. A real emotional change. <laughs> love is not a real thing. Oh. But this song is the closest thing to convincing me something exists like it. Oh. <laughs> What a weirdly hopeful nihilist. Uh, yeah, I yeah, this, this comment was written at 2.45 a.m. Yeah. on a Friday night. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there. And I hope that they, uh, they watch the movie again and get more out of it. Yes. All right. Here's another one. The best song for a bachelor party with your brothers. Oh, I feel like that's very tongue-in-cheek. Hold on. Hold I don't on, know. I don't know how genuine I mean, it, that was. This has a really strong wedding culture. It That is true. That is true. Wedding and funerals. This is, is apparently oh. like the second really? most popular song that British people play at funerals. <laughs> what? Like, because I've had the time of my life, I guess. But also the song is about having sex. So I don't yeah, know. It's, it is a very, at, at its at its purest, it's a, it's a romantic song. Yeah. <laughs> you so know? like hmm. in between these comments that I've selected, it was a lot of like, miss you, RIP. Like a lot of that. That's, I, someone, that, yeah. is a, that is a blind spot. I did yeah. not if know If someone plays this at my funeral, please don't play the Black Eyed Peas version. Note to self. No promises. <laughs> I plan on outliving you and so, playing this so, No, this is how it's going to yeah. be. This is how it's going to be. Sophie's going to be like, play the song uh -huh. while, and then while the slow part starts, mm -hmm. and then it goes to Black Eyed Peas, like, yeah. and she's like, start yeah. shuffling the dirt on the, on the, on top <laughs> oh of the car. and be like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Because the dirt, dirty bit, like, bam, 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 bam. Oh, like, the nihilism continues. All right, all right, moving on. That was too much for me. Just saw the Righteous Brothers in Cleveland at MGM. Bill sang this song with his daughter. He still rocks and a funny guy, too. I wonder if it was the daughter who was born right before he recorded oh. this song. I hope it was. So, oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> Sophie, by any chance on your research, I saw a video on YouTube of Bill Medley performing the song with the daughter who was... His that's excuse it. to get up. Yeah, that's it then. Oh, good. 
there's some lines in this song that I don't know that I would sing like my in a paternal point. relationship. Like, yeah, no, I would not sing this song to my father. Mm-mm. And it's bringing up a little bit of what we talked about in our um, Aerosmith episode. Don't want to miss a thing. Same, same problem. There's definitely father daughter vibes in there. And then also ick. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I would not sing this song with my father. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that there's meaning for them. That yes. father daughter. May- and maybe duo. I, I didn't see the performance. Maybe they changed some of the lyrics and May- make it a yeah. little more, you know, appropriate to the dynamic. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Oh my god, <laughs> that's I can't a wrap. It. We did it. We uh, tackled this behemoth of a classic. <laughs> yeah, it was song. a little intimidating. Not gonna lie, because like this is such a beloved song and everybody knows it. Yeah, yeah. The, the stakes are low with Adam's groove, but this <laughs> yeah. one we're like, oh, yeah. people love it. Like, you gotta do the song you know, justice. Absolutely. How do but, we yeah. find? It helps that like we it started with two people who already love the song, and then mm-hmm. over time you grew to love it. So it's yeah. great, you know. There's growth there. Yeah. It's amazing. It uh, also helps that we have. You on the pod, oh, JP please, Lee. Please. Yeah. Thank is, you so much for stopping by. This is a blast. I will come back whenever you'll have me. <laughs> uh, please tell the people where they can find your awesome YouTube channel. Uh, essays on Frame. You can find me on YouTube. Um, it's been a little bit since I've posted any of the videos, but the ones that are there, I'm really proud of. And they're evergreen. Check them out. They're evergreen. Yeah. yeah, they're not super topical to 2018 or 19. So like, check them out if you like some of those movies. Yeah. And you can find us on The Song Will Go On on Instagram, Twitter, Mm -hmm. even TikTok. We're trying to figure out how to use TikTok. I don't know. We're millennials, (laughs) whatever. Uh, (laughs) And of course, our Patreon, The Song Will Go On. But yeah, keep an eye out for season two. We are putting life back on those socials and we're going to be sharing, you know, more content as we go along. Some stuff that didn't make it, some stuff that just visually, you just got to see it. Audio won't do justice. (laughs) But yeah, thank you thank you all for listening uh, and I guess we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. The song will go on is written, researched and produced by Sofia Matano and Paolo Grassini. Theme music is composed by William Russell. Consulting producers are JP Lee and Jonathan Fisher. Recording, editing and mixing by Sofia Matano and Paolo Grassini. The song will go on. It's a Gigawatts podcast. You can find Gigawatts on YouTube and on Instagram at gigawatts underscore YouTube.